Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families Make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am your host here every week, teaching you the things that you need to know from an estate planning standpoint to make great decisions for yourself, for your family, uh, your finances, and and really put an effective plan together, not just check the box that we have a will or that we did something. And so in this week's episode, we're going to be doing some technical stuff. I, uh, I have been getting a lot of questions recently based on a couple of the last the most recent radio shows that we've done um, and and I you know we, we don't take live questions during the show but we get questions afterward which you can always email us at radio at secularlawfirm.com and drop your questions but uh, we've been getting some questions and so what I wanted to do was recap the things that I've been chatting about for the last couple of weeks here on the show um, and hit some of the questions that that our listeners and, and my clients have been asking based on on what we've been saying. So the last couple of weeks, uh, we've done a couple of episodes that really um, sparked a lot of questions. The one episode was, should I put my house in my trust? Um, or and, and it was also related to, should I give my house to my kids? Uh, and then the second one was last week, I did an episode on why for many families, I don't believe simple wills are enough uh, for you to have a good estate plan. Okay, so we're going to recap some of the most common questions that we have. Uh, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on these things. Am I right? I think so. Do you think so? You know, look, everybody has an opinion here, but I'm going to walk you through, I think, some some pretty logical rationale for why I, I think middle-class Americans should be doing some better estate planning, not just doing the simple will and beneficiary designated job that you probably have, and why that has a, the, the possibility of failing your family when you need it. Um, so before we get into it, listen, this is a radio show. I hope you find it educational. I hope you find it informational, maybe even a little bit entertaining. Um, but this is not legal advice. I am not your attorney. I am um, doing this as a service. If you need legal advice, you should reach out to us, and you can call us anytime at 724-546-4227, or you can go to our website. We're going to find the upcoming estate planning workshops that we have. Um, the website, you know, my last name is Seckler. It's kind of hard to spell, so just go to estateplantim.com, uh, and it will redirect you to our website where uh, you're going to have uh, all types of information you can find there, all the past radio shows. Uh, our YouTube channel link, uh, lots of videos I've done on these subjects. Really, if, if somebody really wanted to know how to do a good estate plan, all they'd have to do is spend a couple hours on my website and, and figure it out. Um, but what we want you to do as, as a consumer is come to one of our upcoming estate planning workshops where we're going to teach you this stuff, uh, and you can ask us the questions you want to know about what of these things we talk about pertain to your family and your situation, because what I want to do is make sure you get the right plan, not just the easy plan or the simple plan. We want to make sure that you do this well uh, so that we protect your family, we protect your finances, and, and it's all worth the effort. Um, and so, you know, one of the one of the more recent episodes that I did, I, I I had made the point that for most families, I don't think simple wills are enough. Uh, and let me just recap that. Um, and so, what I'm what I'm talking about here is, you know, there's this common notion out there that if you're not rich, if you're just a middle class retired uh, family or middle class family thinking about retirement. 
Um, look, you're not rich. All you need to do is a will, uh, which, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't really think so sometimes because if we think about what a, real, a, a will really does, what a will really does is answer a question, who gets my stuff when I pass away, which presumes a very important thing, and that is that when you pass away, there's still some stuff left, right? Um, but what I continue to see occur in my office, and you know, I think my my office is a pretty good representation of what's going on in the community, is I'm seeing people go broke, in particular due to long-term care expenses. Okay, now it's not the nursing homes' fault. Nursing homes are private businesses. Some of them are are, are related to nonprofits, but. But there are organizations that are trying to provide our seniors with care. We need nursing homes. The enemy is not the nursing home. The enemy is this crazy long-term care Medicaid, Medicare system that we have that requires you to go broke if you need long-term care. Right? And if you listen to the Alzheimer's Association, a third of us are going to have dementia. Two-thirds of us are going to need some form of long-term care. And so what I believe, what I believe uh, most of my clients believe is that, look, I'm not working 20, 40, 50, 60 years to, to, to accumulate money uh, so that I have a successful retirement and hopefully leave a legacy for my family just to lose that money to some crazy government rule book or some taxes or some nursing home issue uh, when I get older. That's not what I'm working 60 years to do. What I'm working 60 years to do is provide myself with a decent retirement, and if there's some leftovers, I want it to get to my family on my terms and conditions without any undue headache, expense, uh, and, and uh, court system and, and risk of loss to long-term care issues, right? And after having done this for north of a decade, that seems to be what most of my clients want. So if that's a thing you believe, then perhaps perhaps we should we should chat a little bit more. Uh, you could come to one of the workshops. I'm going to teach you how to do it. You know, it's a it's a pretty simple goal. I want my stuff to get to my family without any undue headache, expense, government interference, or or, or loss. Right? Simple goal. Unfortunately, sometimes we got to do some some relatively complicated stuff to to accomplish that simple goal. Right? Uh, and so. That's what we teach you at the estate planning workshop. We call it the three secrets to protect your family and your finances. We go through the things I think you need to know. We explain the tools. So so getting back to whether a will is enough. See, I look at these estate planning documents. They're just tools. One is not better than the other. A, a, a hammer is not better than a screwdriver. They are designed to do different things right? Um, And so then the question is not whether a will or a trust is better. The real question is what do you want to accomplish? If the only thing you want to accomplish is answering a question, who gets my stuff when I pass away, then maybe a will could work, right? But here's the problem with that. That's that's too Pollyanna. That That's too Mayberry. That, that doesn't reflect the reality of the world. The reality of the world is in someone's family, maybe yours, may not be yours, but it's a roll of the dice. In someone's family, somebody's going to get sick. In someone's family, my kid is going to die before me. In someone's family, an underage person is going to receive an inheritance. In someone's family, somebody is going to become disabled, whether it's a mental health issue, a physical disability, an illness. Somebody's going to be disabled. And when these types of issues arise in the family, and if you look far enough through your family, you probably find one of those things, 
if these things are going to happen in my family, then I need to plan for them. If I have the goal of getting my stuff to my family without any undue headache expense, government interference, and all the rest, we need to plan for those issues, guys. Because if you just say equal shares to my kids, then then we're subjecting your the, the dollars to whatever is going on in your kid's life, which if you've got a kid who's disabled or if you've got a kid who has maybe like an addiction issue or you got a kid going through a divorce, the last thing we want to do is dump a money bag on that situation because if we just throw money at that situation, then we're probably going to lose the money to that potential issue. Um, now, you can use a will to answer some of those questions. Like I could use a will. In a will, I could say, if someone is underage, then here's what you do. But the problem with that is now we're in the court system to administer the will. And I have seen on multiple occasions recently where um, the will said one thing and the judge decided to do something else. Um, and in particular, it had to do with minors where we were supposed to do a Uniform Transfers to Minors Act account for the youngster. And then the money ended up in some court sequestered account. And now we got to go to the judge to get money for the kids' textbooks, which doesn't, to me, doesn't make any sense. But that's the way that it worked out. And so from my standpoint, I am here, like my family, if I pass away, um, the last thing I want to do is put my family through some complicated legal maze um, where maybe a judge inserts their opinion in a way that is inconsistent with what my estate planning documents said. I, I was explaining this recently in one of the workshops that, that judges have some authority in the courthouse. And the guy says, wait a minute, it's my will. If I say that this is going to occur and this is how I want it to occur, is, it, doesn't the judge have to do it? And there it says, no, not really. I mean, no judge is going to say, if you said equal shares your kid, they're not going to change your distribution pattern and say, well, no, we're giving it all to one kid. That doesn't happen. But what could happen is the, the mechanism in which people receive their inheritance um, and, and whether your decision makers actually get to be the decision makers, uh, creditor rights and all the rest, the, the, the government has an opinion on that stuff. And, you know, sometimes from my perspective, I, I don't really care about their opinion. I just want what I want to have happen with my family happen. And so if I can have what I want to have happen with my family without any judicial interference, I'm just going to avoid the court process. Um, and and so, you know, that's my take. My my standpoint on this is the proper role of a judge. And we've got some great judges in the region. But my, my take on the proper role of a judge is to be a referee when there's a dispute and to make sure that everybody who has an interest in this money, that they're that, – their interest is protected, right? So I say equal shares to my kids, but there's a creditor issue. The judge's responsibility is to make sure we take care of the creditor, right? Which is why we have this long process. Um, but we can do those things. We're not trying to, to take advantage of creditors. What we can do is we can ease the, the administrative burden on your kids. And so from my standpoint, no wills aren't enough. And, and second, you know, there's another issue here. Um, which is what happens if somebody goes to a nursing home. Wills don't do anything to answer that question, all right? So my, I am very concerned that I will eventually need long-term care. Three of my four grandparents had dementia. The other one died young. Um, and I don't like my odds. And knowing what I know as an elder law attorney about how the system really works, um, I'm very concerned about my wife's well-being when I need long-term care. How is she going to have a house to live in and some money in the bank? 
Um, and the answer is maybe, you know, and, and maybe is not good enough for my family. Maybe is not good enough for my wife. Um, I'm going to take action and I'm going to protect some stuff. And that means I'm going to put my house in a trust. Um, because with certain type of trust, now I can have my house in my trust. I can sleep in the house every night. Um, nothing really changes from my day to day. But with a certain type of trust, which I've talked an awful lot about on this radio show, called an asset protection trust. Now, once the house is in my trust, then um, now if I end up going to the nursing home, if the house has been in there long enough, they can't touch it. Uh, and, and so that's a wonderful reason to have your house in a trust. And here's the other thing. If you are, um, if somebody goes into a nursing home and they have to spend down all their money before the state starts paying. So you essentially go broke and then the state will start paying for your nursing home with Medicaid benefits. Now with Medicaid benefits, I am allowed to still own a primary residence, right? So I can still own my home. They take all my money, but I can still own my home. But but then when I pass away, the state of Pennsylvania has a claim against my house. So once I pass away, the executor of my will is going to have to sell the house to pay back the state of Pennsylvania for their estate recovery claim, which is pretty draconian. I don't know, I don't know a better way to say it. The state's coming after my house after I pass away so my kids don't get an inheritance. Why? Because I had dementia? That doesn't make any sense. Right, And so for my family, that's not good enough. My family, that's not going to work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my house in a trust because here's the deal. The Pennsylvania's estate recovery claim is limited to someone's probate estate, the assets that go through a will. And so if I can get my house to my kids and not use a will, I use a trust instead. Now I've protected it from the nursing home and I've protected it from Pennsylvania's estate recovery claim because the house is going to get to my kids. And so if that means I got to put my house in some silly trust, well, then sign me up. I'm going to do some silly trust. And, and this is why um, I, we, we, have to, we have to become educated on this stuff because there's this notion out there that all you need is a simple will. Look, you're not rich. But that discounts the fact that there's more questions I want to answer than just who gets my stuff when I pass away. I'm interested in making sure that there is still some stuff to get to my kids when I pass away. And that requires a little bit heavier planning. That requires a little bit more thought. That requires a little bit more education, which is why, frankly, I have this radio show, and it's why we do all the workshops that we do. So we're now offering workshops north of town, south of town, soon to be east of town, uh, where you can come and you can find out all about Wills, trust, powers of attorney, this long-term care system, how Medicaid really works. We're going to teach you uh, how to protect your house, how, how you can protect some money from long-term care expenses so that you know if you end up with uh, dementia or you end up with some other issue that results in nursing home care, now your spouse is going to have a house to live in and some money in the bank. Or if you don't have a spouse, your kids are still going to receive an inheritance. Um, and so this to me, I, I don't know of a thing that could be more important that you can do for your family in retirement than to plan well for this stuff. And so then why doesn't everybody put their house in, the, in, in a trust? And the answer is because nobody knows, right? You could go to a dozen lawyers and you're going to get one of two experiences. The first experience is they're going to tell you all you need is a simple will. Why are they telling you that? Because they don't know any better. Just because somebody has a law degree doesn't mean that they do everything. Look, I had, I've been a lawyer uh, moving in on 13 years. I've never done a divorce. I've never sued anybody. I don't know that stuff. I know this stuff very well. Um, and, and so 
there are attorneys who do divorces on Tuesday and traffic tickets on Wednesday and write wills on Thursday, and they've never read a trust. Um, and so when everything you have is a is, – is when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything kind of looks like a nail, right? And so if they don't know how to use trust, they're not going to tell you to do a trust. And I, I wish that my fellow attorneys didn't behave that way, but I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Uh, and so – this is why we do all the education. Uh, you know, I recently taught this stuff in a continuing education event to other lawyers because I'm tired of cleaning up the mess, frankly. Um, and so come to the workshop and understand a little bit about this. Now, several weeks ago, I did a, a radio show on whether you should put your house in your kid's name. And I, I spent a half an hour on a radio show explaining why it's a bad idea, um, in my opinion. And we got a lot of questions that said, I told too many stories. Why is it a bad idea? Well, I told too many stories, guys, because it is a radio show. It is not legal advice. Um, I have to use stories to get across points because I don't know you, and I can't just tell you what to do because it could be bad advice, right? But here's the general idea. I'm going to make up a story. Um, I've got a potential client who would like to protect his house or her house from the risk of long-term care, right? Um, and they, they're looking at two options. The first option is I could put my house in my kid's name. The second option is I could go and I could work with Tim and his team and I could learn about trust and why they're a better idea, right? So here's why putting your house in your kid's name is a bad idea sometimes usually look this is general information not advice okay that's at least three mistakes the first mistake is if you put your house in your kid's name you have now given up total control of that house so if i put my house in my kid's name and my kid goes to a divorce where does that leave me if i put my house in my kid's name and my kid dies before me where does that leave me what's his will say his will says to his wife or to his kids, or does the will say it comes back to me? And if it comes back to me, now, am I paying inheritance tax on my own home? Right? Uh, what happens if I put my house in my kid's name and my kid uh, loses his job? What happens if he come, becomes disabled? What happens if he gets sued? Right. So putting your house in your kid's name to attempt to save the house from your potential issues, like the nursing home, subjects the house to your kid's potential issues like divorce, lawsuits, creditor issues, disabilities, and whatnot, right? So that's one mistake is you gave up control. Two, second is we're talking about should I put my house in my kid's name to protect it from the nursing home? Well, Medicaid has a five-year look-back period, which means if you put your house in your kid's names and then you need the nursing home in the next five years and you want to apply for Medicaid, Medicaid will penalize you for having put your house in your kid's names. Now, we can fix the problem by giving you back the house. But here's the problem. How do we know your kid is going to be in a position four years from now to give you back the house? Four years is a long time. Five years is a long time. What happens if the kid dies in the next five years? What happens if the kid goes through a divorce in the next five years? What happens if you and your kid have a fight and you're not talking anymore five years from now? What happens if your kid becomes disabled and needs benefits himself? He can't give stuff away. What happens, what happens, what happens, right? And it, this is related to the first issue of you giving up control. But if you give up control and we need to get the house back in the next five years, I don't like your odds. Okay, so that's two issues. The third issue is putting your house in your kid's name 
more than likely is a giant tax mistake. And I'll explain. It's a capital gains tax mistake. So if I put my house, let's say I bought a house. My office is here in beautiful Cranberry Township right off the interstate, right? Um, And let's say I bought a house in Cranberry Township um, in 1995 and I paid $100,000 for that house. Well, that house today is at least worth three hundred thousand bucks. Right, so I own it for a hundred; it's now worth three hundred. Um, I have a two hundred thousand dollar capital gain. Now, if I ever sell the house, I don't have to pay capital gains tax because the IRS excludes the sale of the primary residence from the capital gains tax. If, however, I take the house and I put it in my kid's name. Now, my kid owns it for what I own it for. Okay, so my kid owns the house. My kid owns it for $100,000. And then sometime later in my life, I, you know, I want my kid to sell the house. I want to go to Florida or I want to move into an independent living facility. Or I, I just don't want to mow this grass anymore. I want to go into an apartment. Well, if it's now the kid selling the house, it's not the kid's primary residence. And now the kid is going to have to recognize a $200,000 capital gain, which combined federal and state tax could hit at 18%. So we have a $200,000 gain taxed at 18%, and you just made a $36,000 tax mistake, right? So here's the other thing to understand about these capital gains taxes, which is a tax that is due when the asset sells, is right now, in for, for all of recent memory, we've got a provision in the tax code that says, when I pass away, if my child inherits the asset, rather than receive it as a lifetime gift, if they get it when I pass away, now they don't take my tax basis in it. They don't own it for $100,000. They own the house for $300,000. And then they're free after I pass away to sell it for $300,000. They own it for three, they sell it for three, they don't have to recognize a gain, and so we have now avoided the capital gains tax on that property by letting our kids inherit the asset that has grown in value, right? All of which you nullify if you give your kid the house during your life. So for at least those three reasons, giving up control, the Medicaid five-year look-back period, and the capital gains tax mistake that you might be making, I am not a big fan of people putting their house in their kids' names. Um, it's, it's, it, it's too risky. This is why, folks, we use trusts for this. I also don't want you to lose your house to the nursing home. But putting it in your kid's name is rarely the right answer. More likely, we can put it into a trust and accomplish the same objective. Why? Because now, after five years, it's protected from the nursing home. If you get sick for the next five years, I know where your house is. It's still in the trust. We didn't lose it to your kid's divorce. We didn't lose it to your kid passing away before you. We didn't lose it to your kid's disability. It's in the trust. Um, And you can maintain certain elements of control. Your kid can't sell it out from under you. If you and your kid have a fight and you're not speaking five years from now, we can remove your kid. Um, And finally, the type of trust I'm talking about, an asset protection trust, leaves the asset in your Social Security number, which means if we ever sell the house, no capital gains tax. When you pass away, your kids get stepped-up tax basis, um, which is a much better solution, right? And so, yeah, it's it's complicated. And, yeah, I don't want to have to deal with that stuff either. But – If we have the objective that most of my clients 
have, which is I want my stuff to get to my kids without any undue influence of the court system, the tax man, the nursing home, the Medicaid. I don't want any of that headache. I just want my kids to get my stuff. Well, then we have to do a little bit of better planning. So if you're listening to this and you think, well, I've just got this will. My guy says I just need a will. I might have a different opinion, and I would encourage you to come to one of our estate planning workshops, and and we'll teach you this stuff, and you can form your own opinion. Um, But if you have the goals I just described, protection of your assets, which why wouldn't you want to protect your assets? You've worked for 50 or 60 years to keep them, to get them. Why wouldn't you want to keep them? We've got to do a little bit more planning, right? Because if you try to solve these problems with a will, it's not made for that. It would be like trying to drive a nail into a two-by-four with a wrench. Can it work? probably not very well you're probably going to break the hammer you're probably going to break the wrench in the nail or at least bend it and you're not going to accomplish your objective no there's a tool for that it's called a hammer so quit trying to make the wrench do what the hammer's made to do just get yourself a hammer um and so that's my opinion on the stuff i hope that makes sense to you and and this is the kind of thing that we teach you at our workshop um, which you can register anytime. You just go to my website. Uh, it's secklerlawfirm.com, but that's hard to spell. But what's easy to spell is my first name. So just go to estateplantim.com. You'll find the website. You'll find all of our upcoming workshops. We've got workshops coming up uh, in um, in Cranberry. We've got workshops coming up in South Point. Um, we will later this summer have some workshops going on east of town, uh, and I look forward to seeing you there. It's free. I teach you a bunch of good stuff. takes about an hour, a little bit longer. Uh, and then you can decide whether you like what we have to say or not. So I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, remember, guys, that this radio show is for your education and for your information. This is not legal advice. You shouldn't make any decisions without consulting with an attorney. We're available anytime. Go to estateplantim.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.